this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader helps us understand how his faith has allowed him to experience life with a servant's heart and eyes. His foundational training at West Point taught him the value of knowing how to take instruction and how to be a follower. You must first learn how to follow before you can understand how to serve. These simple ideas are ones that you too can apply every day and live your life with success. John Schreiner is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 39 starts now. Welcome to the program, John. Thank you, Melanie. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, John Schreiner is here with us today on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 39. Pretty exciting. John and I have connected through a medical company that we worked with and did a lot of a lot of projects together. And, and so part of this journey of mine is having people on this show specific that have inspired me. And in my 50 and 50, I reached out to you and said, hey, would you have interest in sharing your story of how passionate and inspirational you are and how much you influence people in your world? And it's obvious, the people that know you, but I think it's important for you to share your story. So thanks for coming on here and, and helping us kind of understand uh, your personal journey. Well, thank you very much, Melanie. I, uh, I appreciate that more than generous introduction. Um, I, um, I would consider that uh, I, I do my best to serve um, patients, customers, and the folks with whom I work. Um, and, and if that, uh, provides a sense of inspiration, then that's, uh, then that's gratifying to, uh, to me, certainly. Thank you. Well, absolutely. Cause you've done a lot of things. And when we talk about leadership and, you know, this show is about inspiring people to have their own leadership potential and qualities. And so as I look at you and your life and the things that have happened in the last couple of years, you know, um, it, that brings on conditioning your life to be able to handle and and adjust, be flexible, and know what your strengths are and how to value your strengths to get you through your life. So people that are tuning into my show, I get emails all the time, you know, keep doing this because it's helping me find my path. So um, I, I really feel like you are going to teach our listeners so much about how to develop their own influence in their life so that they can make the best decisions when, you know, things don't always go as you planned. And so how do you kind of pick that up and, uh, and carry on and move forward to make the most out of what your potential is? And so you've really done that as I've known you, and I know you have a story way be- before I met you, <laughs> but, but it's been great to connect to you because when you have kindred spirits or souls that kind of think alike and you walk down your path in life with, uh, we knew each other from, uh, you know, coworkers. And so as you work on a project or a team together, you have this energy uh, that people bring together. And so it's because you kind of believe 
a, a certain way and you believe in a process. And so that's what has really inspired me about you. And so I want you to kind of talk to us a little bit about um, your position, what you do in the world uh, as far as, you know, your passion right now. And it's more medical, um, medical sales, device, engineering. You have all of those components. So what brought you to that level of interest of what you're doing today? Well, I, um, I must confess that uh, there's a certain amount of desire and faith that I have uh, in, um, in what I believe the good Lord put me on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as, um, as, you, as you know, um, I'm a Christian. And as Christ was here on this earth, he spent, uh, he spent a lot of time healing people. And so I believe that the good Lord put me here to help folks develop uh, technologies and tools that help in the healing of patients. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was something that I, um, that I believed was my, was my sole purpose in, in being here. And so that is in large part what I acted upon for oh so many years um, after graduating from West Point and spending uh, eight years in the military, I realized that um, I was probably going to be best uh, suited for something else. And, um, and, and I must confess, uh, although, you know, we like to think we plan everything out, uh, I fell into medical device technology <laughs> and started as an engineer mm-hmm. and quickly developed a passion for it as I saw the benefit for patients. And that started out in the cardiovascular field, where I spent, oh, heck, uh, about 25 years in total with uh, three different companies uh, in the design and development of, um, of medical devices to open up clogged arteries. During that time, I had the benefit of, of some really good bosses, and I had the benefit of some uh, from whom I could learn you know, perhaps how to do things a little bit better and uh, had some wonderful teams. Uh, I, uh, at, at different times, was a quality manager, operations manager, uh, manufacturing engineering manager, and a research and development manager, and then eventually R&D director. Um, but I, I found that taking on those different roles uh, gave me an opportunity to learn an awful lot about the product, while at the same time exercising uh, the service towards customers, uh, patients, and the folks within the groups for which I was responsible. That um, has, has been kind of a theme. And then uh, at the end of, of, of doing a lot of cardiovascular stuff, uh, joined Cantel, as you know, mm-hmm. since you and I were compatriots of Cantel, <laughs> yep. and got into the design and development of products for endoscopy and colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. It was a new clinical field. I loved getting into it. Uh, it was certainly enjoyable learning about systems outside of the vascular system. And it was, uh, it was most gratifying. Then after about five years at Cantel, um, it, it seems as if we developed all the products we could in, in my arena uh, so, so they decided to go ahead and uh, 
take the engineers that, that we had built into a team and and parse them to some of the other projects that were going on. So wound up uh, leaving Cantel, and and it was uh, I would say a very graceful exit. The organization was was pretty darn good to me, and so I felt blessed by that. Uh, but it took me a little while to uh, to find my next gig, uh, and after a brief stop in um, in Connecticut, I wound up here in St. Louis, being responsible for site research and development into the ophthalmic area, mm-hmm. where now I'm learning about. Uh, the eye, learning about all of its systems, and I must confess that is the real fun part in this. <laughs> um, there is also, of course, a heavy service component in that, because if I'm not serving to improve uh, patient's health on the vascular system, or in the um, in the area of endoscopy or colonoscopy, now I'm learning about areas and we're developing uh, devices that help people recover their sight. Mm-hmm. And amazing. of all the senses, sight certainly is the one that um, is the one that people would least like to lose. Mm-hmm. But it's the one that in the long run does begin to degenerate. Yep. And I think from that, um, as you look at this from a leadership perspective, I think there's a metaphor there that that we can look at as people um, sometimes lose sight of really why they got into what they're doing, Mm -hmm. why they get into leadership roles, and and why they start feeling less fulfilled in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they're starting to lose sight of why they got in it to begin with. Amen. That is such a great analogy. (laughs) You took it right where I wanted you to take it. (laughs) Because it is so true. If we don't keep focused, you know, on on the the why. Why did we come here? Why are we on this earth to connect to people? You know, what will be the question when we all cross the pearly gates, right? And I believe it's, why didn't you live up to your potential? And how did you live up to your potential? These gifts that I've given you, right? As a person of faith, I really believe that it is our, it's our destiny to be able to find and connect to that purpose and live into it. But if you can't see it or you lost that journey, for some reason you're stuck, um, you've got to figure out a way to find it. And it doesn't mean you're going to do the same thing. Now, some people do. Some people have the same job, the same title their whole life, and they retire and, and they have done a very, you know, worthy uh, justice, uh, very loyal employees to a company. Anymore, you don't see a lot of that happening. Companies are changing. Companies are being bought out. People have to up, up and move, right, from one location to the other, and you've experienced that. And, and, and so part of it is, what are we willing to tolerate, right? In this conditioning for being able to see where our journey might take us, uh, instead of maybe being a little rigid to say, well, I can only do things this certain way. Uh, and, and so part of, part of this, you know, journey and me, me interviewing all these 50 people in 50 weeks, the consistency that I'm finding is, you know, we're all coming at this differently. We all have different values 
to experience, but but we all are flexible. <laughs> We're all learning that through this life, there is not a written, you know, step one through 10, and that's exactly the way that it's going to go. <laughs> so it's important. You can see, right? You can plan out, I would like to do this. It's great to have goals, but being able to understand that flexibility is going to come from conditioning yourself, preparing for the things that you can't control and having the right attitude around that. Well, and I believe that, uh, well, I know that certainly for me that my faith plays a huge part in that. Um, as, um, as, as Christ said, the, the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And when we start asking questions about, well, how am I supposed to love my neighbor? What does that, what does that truly mean? Uh, I believe that um, when, when we talk about Holy Thursday and Christ washing the feet of the disciples and them asking, hey, what's going on? What, what are you doing here? Um, and Christ reminding them that in the kingdom of heaven, uh, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Mm-hmm. And he was laying out that example of serving as a leader. Yep. And and I think that when people lose their vision, it may be uh, in part because they've lost that vision of whom they're serving and how they're serving. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a wide variety of folks, certainly within the medical device arena, that we're serving. Primarily, we serve our patients, the people who are coming in for procedures to be done. You have to make sure that what we have done as a group is in the best interest of patients. Two, we're serving the physician community because what we're seeking to do is make their procedures more predictable, more efficacious, make them safer, and thus, and also make them less expensive. So we're availing that technology to more and more folks. And so we seek to, to do everything in a pretty cost-controlled way so that it can be available to more and more p- people and we can serve more and more patients. Mm-hmm. And also to the folks for whom we're responsible. And those are the folks within our individual groups. If you're not setting out each morning, walking into the office to figure out how you can do right by your folks, you're, you're starting to lose that vision. Mm-hmm. You also want to do what's best for the folks who are in leadership positions above you because, quite frankly, that's not easy. And for anyone who thinks, gosh, my boss is suboptimal or, you know, insert your favorite phrase here <laughs> – Really putting yourself in that person's shoes, if you really do that, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And to the degree that we can make it easier, then we have a positive impact on our folks and our groups. And that's going to turn into a virtuous cycle. And that's what you really want to be able to do. Yep. And it's now, it's not coming in with ahead. that agenda, right? It's because there's a lot of people that you get into a position like you're, you know, you go from a different company and you walk in and you think, oh, I have, I've been hired to do this job. 
and really you have the skill set at that job, but, but the growth, right? When we talk about personal growth and professional growth and career growth opportunities, you know, having the open mindset to say, like you just walked us through, you're there to really add value to the entire team, the people that you're leading up and helping them grow. And then the people that are above you that need to be able to complete the task to have the vision of the company. If it's not, if even if you're the leader of the company, you know, you still have other people, mentors and, and other influencers that are going to help you succeed. So you have to find a way to connect to them to be able to, you know, add value to that operation or that, that process. That's kind of the secret, right? It's not your agenda. It's coming in with that open, um, how do I serve the entire process here? Well, the thing is, I'd like to know why that seems to be a secret. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, <laughs> all these self-help books out we, there, <laughs> that's a truth. I think if we really think about this just for a minute, mm-hmm. it's not so much of a secret. Nope. It is in the wealth of a human being when you leave this earth is not going to be determined by how much stuff you have, but by how much you've given away, mm-hmm. what you have done in the service of others, be they the folks within your group, patients, the physicians, the folks above you, that's really the focus. And again, when Christ said there is no greater love than to, than someone to give their life for their friends. Well, Giving your life doesn't have to mean literally dying for them, but spending the long years giving of yourself to others. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, the vision that if people forget, it, it taints what they do. It taints how they accomplish things. And, and they're missing the mark. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is that sort of thing that, that really drives uh, a lot of good leaders mm-hmm. um, to, to make sure that they are doing everything in, in the service of others. And you wind up having a lot of that appreciation and love redound back to you, but that's not why you do it. I mean, uh, think, think of it this way. You're driving down the road, and, and there's someone who needs to get in the lane in front of you because, you know, you've got to turn off coming up quickly, and the person's there. And so you back off, and you let the person in. And when they don't wave to you, sometimes you think, oh, come on. But you know what? You didn't let them in because you wanted the thank you. You let them in because it's the right thing to do. Make sure you keep focusing on that. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, we, we sometimes forget. It's like we, we forget that it's not about what's in it for me. It's, it's about how we can serve. How we and can serve, that yep. kind, kind of brings me back to something that I did want to touch on, is that there seems to be a lot nowadays about leadership, how to be a leader, leading the folks around you, lead. It. And, and I think we're kind of missing the boat in the benefit of followership. I know that at West Point, you start out by learning how to follow. Mm -hmm. 
And as Christ started his mission, he gathered disciples, he gathered apostles, and taught them how to follow. And then as he went through his passion and resurrection, and then after his resurrection, he taught them how to lead. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's learning how to follow. It's it's a huge initial step. And I think that you, you get kids coming out of college thinking, okay, I need to get out and lead. You know what? Learn how to follow. Learn how to be in service. Learn how to how to give yourself away, and then you will learn how to lead. Mm-hmm. So at West Point, um, and I think this is really great for us to touch on because, you know, people are going through a lot of different stages in their life. And so if they haven't had that experience of, of you know, people, when you say West Point, you close your eyes and people think, oh, I could never do that. <laughs> you know, that's too much structure and discipline. I'm that virtually anyone can do it. I mean, let's say. <laughs> but, you know, if you close your eyes, 50% of the people listening to this would be like, I don't know that I would want to do that. That's a lot of discipline. But what inspired you to go to West Point, John? Oh, wow. This is not going to be... In fact, you may want to edit this out. Um, <laughs> no edits. When I, when, I first got, when I first got the sheet, it, it, you know, I, I got a little advertisement from them when, when they said, hey, you did well on your PSATs. And I thought, yep, that's nice. <laughs> Pitched it. <laughs> My mom pulled it out of the trash and looked at me and said, you realize, of course, this is your shot at a good education because we can't afford to send you to a school that's going to be nearly this good. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I started down the road in large part because of a desire to get a good education and knowing that, that this was kind of my shot at it. Mm -hmm. And, and then, but that is never going to be sufficient once you get there. Mm -hmm. And although I'm now running the risk of sounding like an ancient troglodyte, (laughs) um, you know, old core, as we refer to it, um, it was it was pretty hard. Um, we started with 1,400 people in my class, and by the time cadet basic training was over, we'd lost 400 folks. Wow. Um, it, was, it was really tough uh, from a, uh, a hazing and getting yelled at perspective. It was physically challenging, but it was it was much more mentally challenging. And so... That's the point at which you say, by gosh, I'm going to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. I will not quit. This is not going to be too much for me. And there's, there's a little bit of pride that, that goes into that that you always need to be careful of. But there's also a certain amount of determination that I think is one of those character-building elements that we are going to count on later in life because – you're going to face a lot of situations, and I'm speaking to the to the kids, you know, getting ready to go to college or coming out of college. You're going to face a lot of situations where determination is going to be the difference between your success and your failure. Mm-hmm. And sticking with something, there's virtue in that. Now, if it's a sinking ship in an organization, well, maybe not so much. But sticking with those commitments that you make 
is in large part the difference between success and failure in many endeavors. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's so, and it's practicing those it, so that you know from, right you know how to assess. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just it's practicing those enough so you have the confidence to be able to make a decision on to is this a decision that I'm making or is this a sinking ship that I need to kind of pivot, you know, and I need to go yeah. in a different direction. And if you don't yeah. have that that conditioning or that that level of um, training or or your mindset, right? you don't have the confidence to make those right decisions at those pivotal points. You're absolutely right. And, and this is going to, and that bleeds over later on into management decisions where, uh, one of the things that will absolutely destroy someone in management when, especially when you're responsible for others is the inability to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And that's because some folks have been conditioned to, I can't be wrong. Well, guess what, sports fans? You're going to be wrong. And if you're right about 65% of the time, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Because the other 35% of the time, you're, you're going to make a suboptimal decision to begin with. But then you need to recognize that as soon as you can. And if I can use a sailing metaphor, you need to tack and then start <laughs> heading in the right direction. Yep. But, but again using the sailing metaphor, if if I'm just sitting there and I haven't decided to head in any particular direction, it takes a long time to develop boat speed. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take very long to tack and get going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so if, you, if you're indecisive from the get-go, it isn't going to make anything easier down the road. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to change course when you're moving than when you're standing still. Absolutely is. And that's a great lesson. And, you know, the other thing is, is, is people sometimes when they, when you grow into positions, right. And so say you close your eyes and you're at a company and you're moving into different directions and now you're managing people and some leaders, some people that I have had experiences with. And so I want you to talk about this and your perspective, but when you end up in, on a team where the team is working in a servant leadership type role, they're, they're serving each other and they're serving their customers. But the person that you're working for, your leader, has agendas, right, or that may be destructive to the organization or the team. That's a challenge because of how we get into leadership roles, right, titles, um, and so as people, you know, you go into organizations sometimes not knowing all of the, you know, what's under the carpet, if you will, <laughs> yeah. and the history. And so talk a little bit about, you know, how, how you um, see using those, those servant leadership qualities to be able to adjust, right, to tack around <laughs> different attitudes that aren't about servant leadership? How was how the best way for us to kind of work in those environments? You know, that's a, a really good question. And I've been blessed with having had to face that uh, a particular time that was um, perhaps a, a bit more concerning than others would face. Mm-hmm. I had a commander who tried to kill me once and it wasn't his intent, but unfortunately, it was it was how things were heading. Um, I was in the military. We were out scouting a um, 
a position where we were going to move our unit to, and we were in an aviation unit. I was, I was co-pilot. My uh, my commander was a pilot, and he was um, what we would call a little bit of a hot dog with the aircraft. And we had a bunch of people on board a UH-1 Huey, and it was a hot, muggy day in Louisiana, so. Um, aircraft, uh, helicopters don't fly as well on hot, muggy days, and you have less um, you, you have less of an envelope within which you can fly the aircraft. Well, this guy was doing steep banks, and I we we found ourselves in a steep bank. We're starting to descend into the trees, and I had to take the controls away from my commander mm-hmm. because I, I wasn't just concerned for me. Um, it was, it was more for the, you know, for the eight other guys who were on board sitting in the back of this UH one. And so I took the controls away from him and he turned to me and he said, land this aircraft now. So I did landed in a field and we got out of the aircraft and he really started chewing on my butt. And I said, sir, we're about to head into, you know, the the blades were starting to strike some of the tree branches the turbine gas temperature was was maxed out. You had max power engaged, and we were sinking. Mm. He said, I don't care what the... Yeah. So in any case, it wasn't going well. Uh, fortunately, there was an instructor pilot on board the aircraft who kind of got between us and um, invited the commander to a flight evaluation board if he continued chewing me out. Actually, the words he said were, Despite the fact that I like seeing Captain Schreiner being chewed out, just for the sheer fun of it, <laughs> I'm not going to let this continue. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, if if you watch out for your folks, sometimes they'll watch out for you. Now, that that obviously didn't go well, but the point is, you got to be able and willing and know when to take one for the team, because if you don't then you're just as culpable as the person who's not treating them well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't matter what your job is because you know what? You'll get another one. You'll find another gig, but you'll never be able to forget it when you've turned your back on your folks. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that is powerful. That is powerful. For people to reflect on, you know, how many times, and I coach a lot of people, and I have a little, I do a lot of classes, and I hear this over and over and over and over, and I don't know whether it's, you know, the visibility of this bullying, if you want to say that term, um, yeah. but but workplace environments, right? A lot of people feel like they maybe don't have a team environment. They, they're very isolated. You know, they're all in very cubicles, if you want to say that. Um, or they're from home, right? They're all working from home, so very isolated types of environments. But um, a lot of people are facing things like that or or kind of a bullying attitude. And so it's really helpful. Uh, what you're teaching is to really help defend, right? R- raise to the level of be a servant of your team, or your compadres, or your, your group, whatever that looks like in your environment, school or work or family, right? And there's so many areas that you can take these principles and have a more successful uh, outcome and improve your outcomes. 
So thank you for sharing that story because that's, that's very powerful, John. Well, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things, uh, where I kind of surprised myself, I must confess. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I found it to be helpful over the years because, mm-hmm. you know, in the long run, um, you better be serving the folks for whom you're responsible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, if you practice, as we're talking, you know, you're, you're conditioning your mind. It's really all about the mindset. And when you condition your mind, even if you have to change your environment. So you've moved to a few different states here, um, you know, over the past couple of years. And you're very strong because you have conditioned yourself again to be able to use these principles no matter where you are. Uh, it's not just this fits for now, right? You um, understand that that strategy is consistent. And so I, I want you to talk a little into, if you can, you know, the the basic forms or the basic thought process of developing a new team and what are the maybe the top three or four things that you do every time to be able to build that right environment for your team? Well, I think that the, that the first thing you need to do is, is know your mission. You need to figure out what it is you need to do for your customer. Once you know your mission, you need to get to know the folks who are going to get you there. Mm-hmm. And that's not just the, the team for which you are responsible. It's, it's, your, it's your colleagues across the different departments and areas of the organization. And it's always best if you can go through a, a team-forming exercise with them, be it rewriting a new operating procedure, going after a number of different projects together, showing your commitment to what is in the best interest of the organization rather than uh, what is in the best interest of, of the department for which you're responsible. And once you've, you know, come to know your mission, know the folks in your group, know your compatriots, um, then you need to really learn that, at least in my job, I really need to learn that clinical state and partner with physicians so that I've, I, I come to speed quickly from a technical perspective. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because when I got here uh, to, uh, to St. Louis and in ophthalmology, I recall that, you know, as I was going through the interview process, when I was first called up by uh, Bausch & Lomb, I figured, you know, at some point they're going to look down my resume and see I have zero ophthalmology experience in ophthalmology <laughs> and they're gonna someone's gonna discover that at some point and so when I made when I came out here to St. Louis and I was interviewing with the gentleman who is now my boss I asked him so why are we having this conversation because <laughs> I have zero experience here and he said John you know you're a reasonably smart guy you know you made it through a tough school you've learned a lot of different clinical situations that's not what we're interested in. What we're interested in is leadership. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I figured, okay, I like this organization because 
they give you credit for the fact that you're going to learn that clinical state. And, and as it turns out, I've got a lot of really good folks here who are anxious to help me learn. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done a couple of uh, procedures on eyes, both uh, doing lens replacements and doing um, a macular uh, or tacking of the retina so that um, it, we, we have simulated diseases in cow eyes and you go in and you use the tools and you learn about it by doing it. And some really good folks coaching me here in that. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly gratifying and I'm most appreciative of them sharing their knowledge base. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was one of the things that really made this place attractive is that they recognize that, that leadership really matters. Mm -hmm. And that may be something that some organizations are losing sight of as they believe that, oh, it's the technology. Um, so make sure that you have that servant leader mindset and that you're serving all those folks because that's how you're going to make a difference. And that's how you're going to make a difference. That's right. And it's the intention, you know, and, and what I teach a lot about is what, as you said, the why, why are we doing this? The intention of the purpose and the, and the journey. And then there are so many things as you learn. So when you have changed environments again and you go in and you think, well, I know how to, I know how to connect to people, right? I know how to connect to people because it's a process and I need to know them. I need to know what their values are. I need to know the product line. I need to know, you know, my customers, and I really want to add value to this group. And, and so through that, you know, you can have some fears that kind of raise their ugly head, right? And that self-talk sometimes as we begin something that's new in a journey and think, like you said, it's ophthalmology. I really haven't experienced that before. And so it could be some people that haven't had the conditioning that you have had to go into a new um, specialty and say, hey, I, I want to learn this with, I want 100%. I'm, I'm all the way in the pool, right? I'm jumping in. Other people may say, well, I need an income or I've decided that to try this, but may not have that confidence to really absorb all of it because of the fears of maybe not the right time, maybe you know, I won't be good enough for this position. I don't have these skills. And so did those thoughts at all come across your mind? And if so, how did you really concentrate on the, the positive experience that was going to come out of it? Well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in what you just asked. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and I'll start, and I'll start with one of the, um, one of my favorite characters, and that would be Yoda, uh, <laughs> who in the Empire Strikes Back reminds us there is do and there is not do. There is no try. And so <laughs> if you're going to get into something, be into it and, and jump in with both feet because, quite frankly, there's no other way to do it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to come in and try, well, that's not it. You're going to come in and succeed. Get into it. I mean, come on. It's it's a learning process. You better love to learn, by the way. Yep. And you better and you better learn to adapt. 
So you've got to love to learn and you've got to learn to adapt. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to do that, as most people, I believe, truly are built to be able to do that, then get into it. Do it. Learn that clinical state. Learn about the folks. Be precise, though, in your assessment. Mm -hmm. I recall a time um, when when I was back at Cantel and we were taking a, um, a Covey course, and one of the folks in my group, you remember Travis, great leader, yeah. great guy, yep. a, a great follower, too. Um, and um, I, I, I told Right. I spoke in that course about a manager with whom I'd been speaking in a couple of companies previous who was complaining about one of his folks. And I said, wow, that person must have a horrible manager to allow this person to remain in their org. And, and the gentleman looked at me like, oh, oh, I guess that's me. <laughs> and, and Travis asked me, he said, well, what about when you arrive someplace? And I said, Travis, within the first six months, you need to have done an assessment on all your folks mm -hmm. because by the time six months is up, they're yours. Yep. And if they don't belong there, then the kindest and best thing you can do is help them find a different situation or help coach them into being successful where they want to be if that's where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And so these are not easy conversations, but that's why it's management. If you aren't willing to have challenging conversations, don't do this for the love of all that is sacred. Don't get into management because you are going to be cheating yourself. You're going to be cheating your folks and you're going to be cheating them as a team because you're going to allow people to stay who are ill suited for, for their spot for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that adaptability that, that you talk about is based also on some on some pretty common core principles of what you need to be able to do. And if you can do them, then I believe you can connect with folks. Mm -hmm. And you talk about moving to different locations. I've lived in 11 states and three countries, <laughs> and I've enjoyed every single one of them but one. And that was because I was able to find the fun, interesting, and enjoyable thing about living in all of those locations. Mm -hmm. you got to look for it, mm -hmm. but you can find it. And it's the same with your teams. You're going to find how best to organize them so that they can achieve that mission. You may have to change organizational structures, but that's okay. To use a football analogy, different teams use different types of offense and defense based on the personnel they have. And it's the coaches who are able to best adapt personnel to, or excuse me, adapt their scheme to the personnel they have. Those are the guys who win, who win championships. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and so being a leader of a team, if you aspire to be over people, the great advice. No, no, no. You are never over people. Yeah, I'm sorry. You always <laughs> serving people. It's your own. I'm sorry. You are totally correct in that. Um, so when you are part of a team, you're leading the team and, and influencing them to be better as a coach. And kind of taking this analogy is, you just kind of spurred me on. So um, thank you for correcting me. The the coach <laughs> part of it, right? The coach correcting you, we were learning together. <laughs> but the coach part of it is adapting as well 
right? You were adapting, but the coach, the leader, the influencer of the success, you know, the the potential success um, when you're in a group is knowing when you can change things up and it's okay to make those changes uh, as, as suited for the group, right? Kind of like the Eskimos, if <laughs> football teams and basketball teams and hockey teams, sailing teams, everybody has to be able to assess and understand that that's a, that's a core component of success. Undeniably. Mm-hmm. And you need to also understand when someone else needs to belong on another team. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you are, you're, you're cheating that individual of the success that they can find somewhere else. And you're cheating your team because that individual is not making the contributions requisite for us all to win. Mm-hmm. And again, we win when the patient wins, mm-hmm. when the physician wins. And so, and when we as employees win, so mm-hmm. that's, um, that's important, but it's also incredibly important to be kind, to always be focused on what is in the best interest of the person sitting across from me. When I have a difficult conversation with someone because, um, because they've either done something or not done something or whatever, or a way in which they've behaved, um, if they walk out thinking, man, that guy was a jerk, then I haven't done my job well. If they walk out thinking, dang it, I can do better, then, then, that's, when I've, then that's when I've done my job. But the only way they're going to walk out thinking, gosh, I can do better, is if I've inspired them rather than done anything to attack them or their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You go after the situation every single time. That's, that's another area where young managers will fail is they'll talk about someone's attitude. Oh, please, please never, ever mention that. You always want to talk about behaviors mm-hmm. because the first time you mention someone's attitude, the person will rightly turn back to you and ask, how do you know what I'm thinking? Right. Uh-uh. And unless you're the amazing Kreskin, and I think the amazing Kreskin <laughs> passed away with Johnny Carson, um, you're not going to be able to tell them that. Mm. So talk about behaviors, have the difficult conversations, and also be there to help celebrate the successes. Right, right. And that's what a great manager does is, you know, the quote from Maya Angelou always comes back to my mind when I have these conversations. Uh, my One of my favorite ones is, you know, people will forget what you say and what you do, but they will never forget how you make them feel. And so having the opportunity to really leave an impression on someone when that is a difficult process, right, that feeling of acceptance or value of that person, that can either, you know, really help them through that or it can damage them. And if someone's not prepared for that process and it damages them, that that can be, you know, a a real turning point for families around them or communities. You know, there's so many situations that I think about, you know, um, that, that that can happen with. But it's so critical that, that we as leaders, as we're becoming leaders, as we're learning from each other, that these types of conversations have to start with 
you know, our belief to empower and, and serve others in the best way possible, no matter what the situation. So thank you for... Well, yeah. for, I guess I guess for me and people who share my faith, it's a lot easier because if you always keep the command that's just like this, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, mm-hmm. if you keep that uppermost in your mind as you're dealing with folks, it's kind of hard to be hurtful if you keep that in your heart and you're in, and in your mind. Absolutely. So let me ask you, when we talk about expansion, John, and the things that you do outside of your corporate world or your work world or the things that pay your bills, right? You add value to a lot of other things. What are you thinking about for the expansion, the contribution, the kind of the legacy of John Schreiner that lives in this world? I guess I don't worry too much about the legacy of John Schreiner because, quite frankly, that's, I mean, that, that may sound a little counterintuitive, but I care about what I'm doing now rather than what people will think of me later on because, quite frankly, the only person whose opinion that matters is that of my Lord. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if I'm if I ever find myself worried about my legacy, so to speak, then I think I'm kind of missing the point. But uh, things outside of what pay the bills, well, um, I was blessed with the fact that I have O negative blood, and so every 112 days I go in for a double red donation. And I would encourage everyone else out there who's listening, go give blood. Because there's never really enough, and if you're O negative, I hate to tell you this, but the good Lord's blessed you in a way that uh, now now almost requires you to go out and give it, because you can give to anybody. Uh, so th- thank you for letting me get that uh, that public service announcement. <laughs> That's <out there>. great. <laughs> and the, the other thing I've done is uh, we've opened up a trucking business in Houston. Um, my, uh, my son-in-law is the operations manager. And I found it to be um, very gratifying because um, it's it's given he and I uh, a, a lot more view of of each other and and how we work. He is one of the hardest working kids I've ever met, and the reason for opening up this business um, is, you know, we we'd certainly like to to turn a profit. We'd certainly like to see this bloom, but in large part because the lives of truckers are really challenging. And so I was led to do this so that I could be a blessing to these drivers. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, again, it's that service thing. And um, as, as strange as this sounds, this is by doing more business, but um, it seems to be um, one of those things that I learned in my six months of being unemployed was, you know, as as I said earlier, I thought that, well, God wants me to lead teams to develop devices. And, and I think the good Lord had a little lesson for me in that, in that I wasn't put on this earth purely for that. I was put on this earth to, to do what he would have me do, to remain within the center of his will. And so, in this case, I was called to do that. But of course, um, if I, uh, if I was central to not just funding the business, but 
but having to draw an income from it, then it would be it would be very difficult to manage and run. Mm-hmm. And so, in order to be a blessing to the drivers, that's why I'm out here doing this. That's why my son-in-law is is doing that. Um, if you want to talk about uh, some of the more interesting elements of management, go ahead and manage family. <laughs> <laughs> Do anything with but family running a business, he, right? <laughs> he, he listens very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and he's and he's a great kid, and and he's also provided me with a lot of uh, of information and experience in the challenges of going through this. And it's been it's been a great learning experience. And uh, and, and again, hey, now this is not a public service announcement. This is <laughs> this is a blatant commercial one. If there's anybody out there who's got a CDL and wants to go to work for a really good company, it's called Dell Logistics. Look us up. Logistics.org. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll plug that on the uh, on the release of this because that's what this is yeah. about. You know, that really is what this is about. And it's so great to be connected to your story. And you think about, okay, you started off like this, had West Point training, really started to get the mindset, moved through your career in, in being able to be open to learn different messaging, to learn behavior of people, to learn how to lead and serve people. And that is the key message from this. And that's really why I wanted you to be a part of this program, because I connect to those messages. I think it's so important for us to be able to help people get inspired if they're lost, if they're stuck, if they're frustrated with where they are. And the easiest thing they can do is learn just how to simply serve others. And by doing that, doors open and you begin to learn that the world is about other people. And that's kind of the secret of the secret, right? It's not a secret, but until you learn it, it's it can become a little frustrating. Um, once you discover that, that, how that empowers your life and and helps you to grow in so many ways that you have no idea. It is a journey that you you almost like can't wait to get up the next morning and experience what's going to happen next. And so you share that same energy, that same love, that same power in the world. And it's awesome to be connected to you <laughs> because anything that you do, John, you're going to be successful. And it's because of the attitude of serving others. Well, I've also got um, the the best wife in the world for me, and uh, she um, she helps keep me straight. She is an absolute joy to to be with, and um, you know it's it's funny that the the fact that you know we've we've had to be apart for these past couple three months, um, you know, seeing each other every other weekend on average. Um, has given us a perhaps an even greater appreciation for that, but it's also it's trying. But one of those things I would suggest to to folks who may be listening to this and and going through a challenging part of their lives is that this is how one builds character. Mm-hmm. This is how you learn to be resilient. This is how you improve yourself and your skill sets and be able to take on the next thing that you've got coming Mm -hmm. and be successful at it. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to think that way. And believe me, I've, I've been there. 
but it that doesn't mean it's any less true. Yep. So in closing, leave us with a thought, leave us with your quote, leave us with, you know, how to, how to apply all of these and live that life of success if we're struggling. Well, have faith. Start there. It is, it is something that will serve you as you serve others. Excellent. Someone once asked me about, well, tell me about a couple of, you know, Johnisms. <laughs> and I blatantly stole from a, from a graduate of my college. We're a team. We eat, sleep, live, and fight as a team. And though, you know, in civilian life, you don't eat, literally eat, sleep, and, 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 and live together, we do because we spend a lot of time here. And find a way in which you can be best in service of that team. Yep. Learn how to follow. And you'll learn how to lead. Mm, love it. Learn how to serve. And you'll learn how to live. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I I remember going to my brother's funeral, and you couldn't swing a dead cat in San Diego with hitting a le- without hitting at least two people and knew him. He was not a wealthy man. He um, he was a general contractor, and he um, he was also a, a, an elder in the Presbyterian Church. I once joked to him. Reason he was an elder is because he was so darned old. <laughs> but um, but they had to hold his funeral in the uh, Presbyterian Church downtown because uh, his church out in Point Loma wouldn't hold enough people. And as it turned out, it was standing room only. Wow. And as people were talking about him, and I realize this is talking about legacy, but um, he didn't worry about that too much. But I had folks talking about how kind he was to them, how kind he was to their kids, how he did a really good job at what he did and was really picky about making sure that when folks you know, went through a remodel, that everything was done just right. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy who came up to me and said, yeah, I was... I was down and out, and I, I had a hard time getting to work. My Your brother gave me his car. And all of those people from the service and from the – and who knew him, it just – it was – but it was all about service. It was all about service. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. That's where anyway, so. no, that's great. That's that's where it starts. So, if you are stuck, if you're struggling, if you don't know what that next step looks like to feel that peace, you know, you just gotta figure out what that what that needs to look like for you, and find that inner faith 
to say, it's not about me anymore. It's about those around me that I can add value to, that I can serve, that I can make my team, my family, my friends, my network, my community, whatever that is for you, a better place and help, helping to serve that, that function. So, John, thanks for your wisdom today. Well, any wisdom that you've heard from me probably came from the Holy Spirit, Spirit rather than me, but okay, fair enough. <laughs> it, it came through you. So okay. <laughs> very, very much appreciate you. Thank you for being an everyday leader and, and really influencing everyone around you. It's, uh, it's been a great journey. I thank you for sharing your story, and I look forward to seeing you. I hope you can come to our Leadership Summit on March 2nd. If you can make it, if, if you can't make it live, we're going to FaceTime some people, get you on the screen at least, to, so people can connect to you because this is all about the journey of inspiration. And uh, I, I really want to celebrate what you've done, what you're accomplishing, and influencing people. I think a lot of people can connect to you, and maybe you can get some more employees at Dell Logistics <laughs> as well. <Hey. laughs> well, that means I'll definitely be there in March. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll get you. We'll move you. We'll get you moved up there. So, um, But thank you very much. Have a great rest of the year of 2018, and I look forward to connecting you again soon. As do I, Melanie. Thank you very much, uh, you're, you're doing a, a really good thing here. And for, uh, for folks who, uh, who want to hear even better stuff, listen to the rest of her, of her podcasts. <laughs> They're all fun. They're all different. And every one of you have so much value to teach people. So it's been a great, great journey. So thanks for being a part of mine. My pleasure. Take care, Melanie. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis, Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guests from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful Newfields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.